Hello and welcome to Her Ambitious Career, the success podcast for corporate women who want more from their lives and careers. Each week we share career and leadership strategies to help you set stretching goals, own your value, build visibility and credibility, gain recognition, get paid and confidently take your career to that next level. Whatever your ambition, let's do this thing. Now, here's your host and career success expert, Rebecca Allen. Hi and welcome on in and a happy, happy new year to you all. My goodness, it's 2022. I am so excited that we are here. And I thought what better way to kick off the year ahead than with an episode on purpose. And today my guest is Shivani Gupta, who is a mentor and she has a real passion and a real interest in the area of working in purpose, which is why I was so interested in speaking with her today. So we're going to be talking about how to find your purpose in the episode, which sounds like a very, very kind of big, overwhelming concept. But actually, in the way that uh, Shivani shares her process, I think you'll be able to actually start thinking about what your purpose really is. And she sort of differentiates between purpose and passion, which I think is a really interesting distinction. And she gives you some steps later in the episode as to how to actually start defining your purpose. We're also talking um, in the episode about women trying to master everything, which is, I think, a, a pitfall that I think a lot of women fall into, where we're trying to kind of be great at everything, whether that's our family lives, our personal lives, being a great friend, being a great daughter, daughter, being a great partner, being, you know, ambitious in the workplace, whatever it might be. And we talk about the fact that maybe that's not sustainable and that we need to kind of reassess um, how many of our ambitions that we can actually achieve in any one moment in time. So that's a really interesting discussion, which I'm sure will resonate with a lot of you. And also the thing that I think is really interesting, Shivani's sharing some of her insights and some of the work that she's doing in going back into India, which is her home origin country, and educating young girls there and the impact that that's having. So this is a really, really interesting episode. I'm really, really looking forward to sharing it with you. I'll see you in a minute. Ladies, welcome on in. I am so delighted today. I have Shivani Gupta with me today, and we're going to be talking about purpose specifically. Now, one of the things that I absolutely love about Shivani is she has this mission, this purpose, this drive to see every single girl in the world educated. And I would absolutely love to open up by talking about that first, Shivani. Oh, I love that, Rebecca. Let's go to the big questions first. Um, (laughs) Love that. Um, For me, I was just so lucky and so privileged to have a father in my life who really believed in girls' education. And so I moved from India to Australia at the age of 11. And if you speak to my father now, who's 75, and say to him, you know, why did you move your family to Australia? He will talk about better opportunities. And then within 30 seconds, he'll say, because I felt that Shivani should have the same opportunities as her brothers, as her cousins, as her uncles and her dad. And so he's a very pro-girls, pro-women's education advocate, mentor, um, friend now, uh, now that he's in his 70s and I'm in my 40s. And so I've been very blessed with uh, having somebody like that in my life. And I didn't really realise that when you are young and you're still adjusting to a new country and 
um, you know, I copped a little bit of racism and sexism at different times in my in my career. And so it's only as I've got older, particularly in the last decade for me, Rebecca, that I've gone, oh, my goodness, look how lucky I am to have the honour to become to a, an amazing country like Australia, have all my education here, be able to run a number of businesses, basically kind of get to do whatever I want mm-hmm. and the way that I want it. And I would really like to be able to link that into other women, other girls. So a few years ago with some of my um, women that I was mentoring, they were really interested in going to India. And about nine or 10 years ago, people started saying to me, hey, would you ever take a group of people to India? I'm like, no, I don't want to, you know, I'm not a tour guide. I don't even know the history myself, you know, all of it. I moved here at the age of, you know, at the age of 11. I still speak the language. And so for me, um, that question kept coming up, will you take some people to India? Will you take some people to India? And so I went, you know, maybe if I could link it into some purpose-based trip, I don't really want to go, I love the Taj Mahal, you never get bored of it, but I don't really want to do X, Y, and Z. And I was starting to do a lot of work around wellness and helping people meditate and look at their well-being as part of being a great leader. So I thought maybe I could combine three or four things and start to run some trips to India. And I uh, investigated and met with maybe five or six different organisations and found this beautiful organisation that was particularly educating girls in rural villages. I've got a 12-year-old daughter, and so this was maybe going back six years ago now, so she would have been about six. And what I found out with this organisation, A, has been around for a long time, so I didn't want a new startup. They'd been around for 40 years at the time. But the average age of girls in rural villages in India, which is not dissimilar to a lot of other uh, villages and rural um, places around the world in third world countries, is 11. And I went, this is disgusting this is terrible and one of the other things that we know from organizations like the one I worked with but when I look at what the Malala Fund's doing when I look at so many other amazing people that are doing work around educating girls is that we know that when these girls are educated their marriage age moves because as the result of them getting educated not just on things that are theoretical but very practical things around their villages around agriculture or whatever industries that they may be a part of their age moves They then move from 11 to 16 or 17, which is still very young according to us, but they get an education. And the other thing I knew was that as these girls um, got older and got educated, over 90% of them then end up educating their daughters when they have them. So not only do they come a little bit out of that whole slavery, um, you know, um, having to have sexual relationships with often if they're poorer, the family, the older, the husband, mm. but the fact that they're, and some of them are dying in childbirth, like it's pretty horrific. And so as I started to discover this particular group, and so I, for the next five years, obviously we haven't done that now since COVID, but for the next five years, I went back to India with a group of women and we started to educate the girls. And then since then, I've been thinking about it shouldn't be reliant on a trip. Um, You know, I would love to see every girl across the world have the same opportunities, if not the same opportunities of moving to Australia, but at least the chance of a very basic education so that she's able to find work, she's able to become a breadwinner, she's able to show her family that she's, you know, more important than just helping out in the fields and producing children. And that once she's educated, which often then becomes the only only person that's educated in that family, I guess her value goes up, her worth goes up. And so the family then want to hang on to her longer, but also when she's married into a family, her worth is higher in that. 
And there's so many ripple effects of that. They're, they experience a bit less domestic violence. Um, you know, as I said, that they're not dying in childbirth. There's so many ripple effects of generational work by having those girls educated. So I feel that as I'm getting older, I must find different ways of working with organisations, working with individuals, um, you know, partly taking the profits of the businesses that I run, but more importantly, also just seeing how do we equalise that and have that equality in the world. That's huge. I mean, that's just like you say, the, the domino effect of, you know, educating the girls it has a massive impact, obviously, on her. It has a massive impact on her prospects, but also on her own family. I mean, that's, um, that's huge work to be it's, doing that. It's huge work. And I think I'll be doing it till the day I die, you know. <laughs> And I think that's when, you know, people talk about, well, you know, what's your purpose and what's your passion? And, you know, I always look at purpose as kind of your vehicle and your passion's your fuel, you know. So when you've got um, passion, you need that, you know, one doesn't start without the other. You can't have fuel and not have a car, for example, if you yeah. use that as a vehicle. But there's no point having a car and you've got no, not, got no fuel. But a lot of people spend a lot of time in this notion of passion. I mean, I spend a lot of time talking about passion. But your purpose is something bigger, right? And yeah, you know, um, I think I think it's something that I would like to add my drop to the ocean over my lifetime, yeah. and um, and you know, hopefully in my generation, I would love to see that shift. Um, there's some extraordinary work being done, but it's often just individuals just doing their little drops in the ocean, and hopefully we can you know all start to create some waves. In the yeah, future. absolutely. But I mean, that's a really sustainable. That's real sustainable change, you know, like you're saying, it's one little thing, but it's it's massive. I mean, that's really massive. Shivani, how we talked before a little bit about ambition and how what ambition means in connection with purpose. And what I liked about what you said was for you, ambition is basically being able to do whatever you want. And I know that you mentor a lot of people um, to help them kind of come through their careers. How would you uh, what kind of advice, I suppose, would you give as a mentor um, in that area of ambition and kind of setting out purposefully to create those outcomes that you want? Yeah, that's a great question, Rebecca. And I think certainly when I was younger in my 20s, um, ambition was seen as a really negative word. You know, oh, she's so ambitious. I remember I made a choice to go back to work six weeks after giving birth to my first child. And there was a lot of judgment, um, certainly from family members, even some friends and right. even, you know, women my age. Um, and there was a lot of judgment about, you know, you want to go back. I wasn't worried about losing my business or my clients. I really feel that I'm on, you know, purpose working and working is such a privilege for me, as I spoke about earlier, and I take it really seriously, even though I try and have a lot of fun in the workplace. And so I wanted to go back to work. Now, I didn't go back working 50 hours a week. I went back, you know, two days. I was still trying to breastfeed. I found a nanny. Yeah. Uh, I found an office literally 80 metres from home. So I tried to do all the practical things um, that all of us mums, working mums, try and do. But I received a lot of judgment because, and I heard the word ambition a lot, oh, wow, you're just so ambitious about it. Right. I even remember that year going on to the ABC on Mother's Day and I was talking and, you know, the, the guy that was interviewing me, who was this lovely but young 20-year-old, um, he said, you know, so do you love your children all the time? And I went, no, I don't love my children all the time. <laughs> I love my children all the time, but I don't like them all the time. Yes. They annoy me. Um, and at times, you know, I love reading and I'll read the same paragraph like 21 times because I've had so many interruptions. Oh, I've been there. And sure. so I'm on this national show and he's going, do you like it, you know, love your children all the time? And I said, yeah, I love them, but I don't like them all the time. And he's like, you can't say that. 
And then the switchboard lit up. I remember this, right? And some people were like, oh, my God, thank you for being um, so honest about it. You know, I feel the same, but I often don't feel that it's okay to talk about that. Um, but then there were other people that rang up and said, you must be really ambitious. I remember that word. I remember that caller coming through. So I think there was a lot of judgment around it, whereas I just think, you know, like, for example, I come across some women who love being a stay-at-home mum. They love it. And that's their ambition. And I go, awesome, that's fantastic. Yeah. If that's what you are meant here to do. Absolutely. And I have a couple of girlfriends like that, one that's got four children. She is like, she loves staying home 99% of the time. Yeah. And there's other people that love working like me and managing a family. And I think I'm ambitious about that. I'm not going to apologise for it either. Mm. The issue always happens is women that want to work but don't because then they end up self-sacrificing. So I always say to them, well, kind of what's your passion? What are you here to do? You know, what are you ambitious about? Where do you see your career going? And so I think if you're really happy with whatever you're doing, that's awesome. Whether you're home, whether you're running a massive global corporate, whether you're running international businesses or you're running a small business, whatever it may be, but you get to do what you want. Ambitious about your own life, ambitious mm-hmm. about your own career, not other people's perspectives on what you're trying to do. Yeah. Um, that's kind of how I see it. I simply just see it as, if you are doing what you love um, most of the time, then um, and you're ambitious about that, you're passionate about that, awesome. Whatever that is, I think you get to lead it and direct it the way you want. Yeah. And I think the reality is, is ambitions change with time, right? And with age and also with life circumstances, if you do have children, you know, some people take time out to care for, you know, relatives. Um, there's lots of things that kind of happen in life that are desperately important too. I've never understood why you can't do both things. I think you can't do both things really, really well at the same time. Definitely from experience. I certainly tried to do that when I had my first child, but um, it was impossible. I mean, it was just so hard with a new baby to do that. And I just had to shift that expectation, which was very, very difficult to do because I was so passionate about my work. And I did find that difficult. But, um, you know, as time's gone on, you kind of morph and you shift and you are sort of more flexible with, I suppose, still being ambitious, but, you know, in different ways and at different times. So how I kind of look at it now is that, you know, when you're with the children, then you're being ambitious in that space, if you like. And then when you're doing your work, then that's when you're, you know, it's your time to be ambitious and and do that thing. But I think it's important just to define what it means for you, because, of course, it's different for everyone. Yeah. And I think you said it really beautifully then, Rebecca, that, you know, you can't do it all at the same time. You know, I've been mentoring women for almost 20 years And I've mentored over 1,250 women. And one of the most common things that I see, and I know I'm going to generalise a little bit here, is that women are trying to be good at everything at the same time. We know we're trying to be a great friend and we're trying to be a great partner and we're trying to be great at our businesses and our work. And we're trying to be great at fitness and we're trying to meditate. And then, oh, yeah, Oprah's <laughs> a journal. And then I'm trying to journal and then I'm trying to do this. And we're trying to master so many things. And one of yes. the common things I speak about all the time is that if you look at all the different aspects of your life, now some people might define that 20, I think there are seven key areas of your life. You can only master three at a time. Mm. And you just have to let go of everything else and say, I need to let go of some of my guilt I need to let go of some of the fact that I am not going to do well at it. I mean, I know what three things I've chosen consciously to do this year. And my number seven, that seventh area, I'm probably going to suck at. Like I'm not, I'm not even going to be very competent at it. My number four and five things I might be okay at, 
but I can only really master three things. And I constantly say that to women, that we put so much pressure on ourselves to not perfect, but try and do everything, especially when we are great at delivering and great at creation and great at wanting to be our best and give it our best. We absolutely try and run so thin and that's where our well-being gets affected so much. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're so right about not doing it all at the same time. Mm-hmm. But I just go that step further and say you can only do three things and that's it. And everything else you're not going to be that good at. And are you okay with that? Yeah. Because I think otherwise you set yourself up to fail and you you run into that kind of self-worth challenge then. Just like, well, if I can't do this, then what else What else can't I do? You go in the, a reverse cycle of what's really positive with, yeah. with a growth mindset kind of way of thinking. Yeah, and even lunchboxes, like I was mentoring somebody the other day, she goes, Shivani, I'm so tired, I'm so zoomed out, I'm doing this, and the session that I was having with her, and she said, you know, I'm trying to do get the kids to eat healthy, and I'm doing these lunchboxes, and then she told me about them. I mean, they sounded like gourmet meals, <laughs> you know, yeah. handmade roll sushi, yeah. I'm like, you know yeah. what, you know, something has to give. Yes. And you have to make a decision. Otherwise, sometimes those um, decisions get taken away from us. Yes. What do you, what are you okay about not being good at? Yeah. And, you know, are you okay about, and what do you then really want to master and excel at? But trying to do everything is really, really challenging. And that's where I think often we fall down. And I think that's where it comes back to purpose, because then you just say, it's like, you know, the big picture question. So it's like, well, if I am trying to do everything, come back to the purpose and ask the question, what am I actually here to do? What's my big high value sort of tasks that are going to add the greatest value to me, the greatest value to everybody else that I love and respect around me. And if you ask yourself that question, perhaps maybe you could get out of that kind of maelstrom of detail and, you know, struggling to try and do everything and just say, Hey, what's the big question here? What's the big purpose that I'm here to do? What's the big one thing that I need to actually deliver on? There's a great book called, the one thing and it just talks about how you know whether it's something that's small that you're working on a big thing that you're working on yeah that you've got to really do that one thing I love that important to be able to do I always say to people you know in my day I structure my day if I break it down literally into a day rather than this big life purpose or bigger things that I want to achieve which may take a number of years or even decades is I go they're my top three things I do yeah so I've already done two of those and I've got one more thing to do this afternoon uh, after we uh, finish. Now, I've got a list of other things I'd like. I think there's seven or eight things on that list. But, you know, if I do those three things, those big high-paying activities or the masks or whichever way you want to define them, then I feel fairly successful, you know, yeah. seven and a half, eight out of ten. And then if I can knock over a few extra, fantastic, right? Yeah. But we can't do it all. And that's where um, I see so many women running themselves into the ground, working so hard um, to try and make everything be okay. And, mm-hmm. and, I, and I find it hard. I find it hard to see that because I want to say, well, how long is this going to last? At some yes. point you're going to fall over. Yes. Yeah, and hit a burnout space. Just before we kind of wrap up, Shivani, I'd be interested to ask you, so say, for example, a mentee comes to you and sort of says she's lacking in purpose and she's lacking in clarity about what her purpose is. What sort of little tips could you give to help somebody sort of get back on purpose and get clearer about what she's here to deliver? Yeah, so I I call them, some of them are mega conversations, um, Rebecca, and some of them are very detailed conversations. 
So I find that when I start with that mega conversation, you know, which sounds like what are you on the planet for doing? What's your purpose? Um, what's the top of your Maslow's hierarchy? People are like, what? And they start <laughs> to sort of spin out a little bit. Yeah. So I, in my experience, one of the things I've found to be more effective is to start off at the detail level. So where I tend to start off with is saying, let's get really clear. Let me take you through this model that I've developed around passions, which looks at the seven areas I explained that. We look at where their current passions are sitting, how they're spending their time and energy. Where is it all going to? And then I ask, are they happy with that list? Are they happy with what they're currently doing? Some people are, but most people Mm. want to make at least some shift and uh, quite a few people want to make some significant shifts. Yeah. So I then we then work out kind of consciously around what is it that they want to do. So what we want to do is start going from what are you doing today to what is the next week, month, three months, 12 months looks like. The other tip that I say to people is that, you know, I'm in my 40s. I know that when I was growing up, Everybody talked about retiring at 55 in Australia. Nobody's going to retire at 55. Um, nobody's going to retire at 65. You know, I'll, you know, we might get access in our late 60s or 70s, but that number as, as, our, as we're living longer, I think is going to keep increasing. Yeah. Now, I can't imagine not working anyway. Yes. But I say to people that are going, oh, you know, I really dislike it. I say to them, you've got to have a long-term plan here. You've really got to start thinking about, you know, if you're 38 years old, nothing like you've got 30, 40 years of work ahead yes. of you. and I'm not trying to depress you because it sounds a bit depressing right you're like oh my god <laughs> 40 years but you've got to have a long-term objective you've got to start thinking about what are you going to be doing at yes. and they're I like I don't know and I'm like okay I understand that you don't know but what sort of stuff do you see yourself doing are you volunteering are you doing this mm-hmm. And then we kind of reverse engineer it, right? What are you doing at, you know, 68? What are you doing at 58? What are you doing at 48? So one of the tips I have is that, you know, there's a great saying that says we um, underestimate uh, what we're going to do in a year and overestimate uh, what we can do, underestimate what we can do in a lifetime. Yes. That's the opposite. So we do all these massive tasks there, but we often don't spend time thinking about it. You know, I find most people I come across spend more time thinking about holidays, particularly now going through COVID. They're like, oh, my God, when we're out and, you know, the country's fully vaccinated, I'm going here and here and here. And I'm like, that's awesome. What about your purpose? And they're like, purpose it's too big so I I think it's really important to go from small conversations to medium to then large Mm -hmm. and then you want to have the meta conversation which is what do you see yourself doing over a lifetime that's awesome Shivani thank you so much for joining us um Shivani does actually have a really valuable resource that she's going to um just give us a little bit of information about if you're looking to get a mentor and looking to find the right mentor for you Shivani can you just tell us a little bit about the the tool that you'd like to share yeah absolutely I've um, created a couple of tools um Rebecca and I hope you're okay about the page that I've created for some of your audience Um, so I just, when Rebecca spoke to me about doing that, I wanted to create some resources for you. So what I've essentially done is created a page called ambition, saying that that's what we've been speaking about. And Rebecca does some amazing work in this space. And so it's actually called Shivani forward slash ambition. And so if you go to there, you will be able to download, um, the tips for mentoring. And the reason I do that is that I come across some people that have been really badly burnt, Uh, where perhaps confidentiality was betrayed, 
I also come across people that have tried it because somebody's cousin's best friend was a coach or a mentor and they had a coffee and it was a waste of time. And so it's so important. There is no way that I would be successful today without having amazing mentors. Um, I've now got three mentors at the moment. I have a business mentor, I have a family mentor, and I have a spiritual meditation mentor. And they're the people that stretch me and they're the people that I feel that I'm accountable to and that I've got to actually deliver on. So I'm a big, big believer, even though I do a lot of mentoring, is to have people around you that support you and challenge you and stretch you in the areas you need to do that. So I'd love for you to download those slides and those tips and see that where you're at, get very clear on the type of mentor that you want. Um, And look, if you have any questions, one of the reasons I designed my website to be called Ask Shivani is I'm so happy for you to ask me any questions. Just go to the contact form and do that. I've also included a free chapter of a book called I Love Myself where I interviewed uh, 500 women and we ran a number of focus groups to work out why is it that women aren't progressing? Is it because there really, really is a glass ceiling? And partly it's true, but a lot of it is also about women believing in themselves and really learning to improve their self-worth, their self-love and their self-confidence. So there's a chapter on there that you can download and a couple of other resources. So I hope that that helps you. Um, I hope that um, when you download that, have a look at that. I hope it makes you think and stirs you up and hopefully continues that conversation for you. That's awesome. Thank you so, so much, Shivani. I've really, really enjoyed today's chat. Thank you for having me on, Rebecca. Wow, what an interesting exploration that was into purpose. You know, the thing that I really took out of that um, conversation with Shivani was really this idea that we can have multiple ambitions, whatever those ambitions might be, but we must be mindful of how and when we choose to try and tackle each one of those ambitions. I love that Shivani was talking about taking on one or two of these um, ambitions at once and focusing our energies on, you know, just a few of these things at once rather than trying to master everything and being uh, a master of none. So I think that was my key takeout from today's conversation. And it's wonderful that she sent us those resources. So do go to her website, askshivani.com forward slash ambition. She's got those tools for you in there. And also, of course, um, my tool is there for you too, the seven habits of female execs who get promoted. This is your year, ladies. If you want to get promoted this year, this tool has got everything you need inside it to help you get there. All you need to do is go to rebeccasfreegift.com and you'll get access straight away to all of those strategies to help you get promoted with much greater ease this year. I am so looking forward to seeing you next week. Have a good one. 